Thank you for joining us today on Drawing Near. This podcast is designed to help us draw near to God through the study and application of His Word. If you have any questions or comments about today's study, or spiritual things in general, feel free to contact me through my email address in the description section of this podcast. Prayer is an important part of any believer's fellowship with the Father. We are to pray. But sadly, many do not know how to pray. Today on Drawing Near, our Lord's disciples asked Jesus to teach them to pray. Please take your Bible and open it to Luke chapter 11 as we study, Lord, teach us to pray. And as we prepare for today's study, let's go to the Lord in prayer. And our Heavenly Father, as we come before you today, we acknowledge you as Lord of all creation, the creator of all of heaven and earth. And Father, we also acknowledge that you are the judge. You are the one who will judge our thoughts, our attitudes. You will determine, Father, our eternal destiny based on whether or not we have put our faith and trust in the Lord Jesus Christ. Father, I pray that each one of us has done exactly that, that we have sincerely trusted in Christ. And Father, we pray that you would work in our hearts and lives through your Holy Spirit, counseling us, correcting us, instructing us in your word and in your righteousness. Help us to be holy as you are holy. Now, Father, as we study this passage of Scripture, I pray, Father, that you would work through your Holy Spirit again in teaching us to pray. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's begin our study by looking at Luke chapter 11, verse 1. In verse 1, Luke writes, Now it came to pass, as he was praying in a certain place, when he ceased, that one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray as John also taught his disciples. There's no doubt that the scriptures clearly reveal that Jesus was a man of prayer. And I think that's one of the most interesting things that we can learn about Jesus. Jesus is God incarnate. He was the word before he became flesh. He became a baby. He grew up. He became a man. He began his earthly ministry. And he being God incarnate was a man of great prayer. Many times the scripture records him praying, all night long, or sending his disciples apart while he stayed and prayed in a solitary place. So the disciples were familiar with seeing Jesus pray. So here in this verse, in Luke 11, 1, we are told that he was praying in a certain place. It is clear that the Garden of Gethsemane was one of Jesus's favored places to pray when he was near Jerusalem. There's no doubt that he had others. Often he would go up into a mountain to pray. Luke goes on and says, when he had ceased, when he had finished, that one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, as John also taught his disciples. I think it's important to note that Jesus' disciples were near Jesus when he was praying. They saw when he began, they saw when he finished. And when he had finished, whether the disciples had been asking questions or this one disciple had this one question, he wanted to learn to pray. Now, the Jews were praying people, but John the Baptist had taught his disciples to pray, and now Jesus was being asked to teach his disciples to pray. What was it that they were hoping to learn? Was there something unique or different about John and Jesus that they could teach their disciples to pray in a way that other Jewish individuals did not? And I believe the answer is yes. 
Both John and Jesus were ministers from God on the earth after 400 years of prophetic silence in Israel. And so this new wave that came as John the forerunner came heralding the doctrine of repentance and that the kingdom of God was at hand and pointing to the Lord Jesus as the Messiah who has come to deliver his people. And as Jesus began his earthly ministry, there was a new move in Jerusalem. And this new move, especially with Jesus, had a familiarity with God that was unprecedented in Jewish history. Jesus talked about God and identified himself with God in a way no one else ever did, nor could. And so Jesus' response in verse 2 is this. So he said to them, when you pray, say. Now, before we go further, we need to understand this is not a magic prayer. This is not the only prayer we're to pray. Rather than this being the Lord's Prayer, as many refer to it here and in Matthew chapter 6, this is probably better referred to as the model prayer or a model for our praying. And so it's in this way that we are to pray. He starts out by saying, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. When we begin our prayer time, when we enter into prayer with the Heavenly Father, we need to understand we can call him Father, but we can only call him Father through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. It's through faith in Jesus, the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth, that we can be forgiven of our sins and have fellowship with the Father, not just God the Judge, not just God the Creator, but our Heavenly Father. And Jesus says we're to say this, we're to pray this way, our Father in heaven. We need to understand that God is in heaven. He sits on the throne of heaven. God is spirit. He's not flesh and blood. He does not look like us. When we were created in his image and likeness, we were created spiritually in his image and likeness. We are the physical manifestation of the likeness of God. We have spirit. We have the potential for eternal life. We have understanding of righteousness and wickedness. And so, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, holy be your name, not just holy, but hallowed in our hearts and minds, revered be your name. The very name of God is to be revered by his people. The very name of God is to be revered by everyone, but especially his people. We need to be careful not to take the Lord's name in an empty way, especially in a vulgar way, and I can't comprehend how a believer would do such a thing. Jesus goes on in verse 2 and says, we're to pray, your kingdom come. God is the great king, and he has a kingdom. And with Jesus Christ coming to this world and the Holy Spirit indwelling believers, the kingdom of God is being ushered in. The kingdom of God is in our hearts. But eventually, there's going to come a time when the kingdom of God is going to come in all of its fullness for all eternity. And believers are to long for this and to desire this. Now, when we do that, we need to understand not all of the things necessary for the kingdom to come are pleasant. If you read the book of Revelation, if you read the prophecies in Scripture, there are many things that have to happen as the kingdom is ushered in that are not pleasant but believers desire the kingdom of God to come. Then Jesus says, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. We are to desire the will of God to be done. Why? 
because God is all-wise and all-knowing. God is loving and just. God acts wisely and right, good, in every situation and circumstance. And we want his will to be done in our lives and in the lives of those around us. And again, God's will being done on earth as it is in heaven may not always be pleasant or easily understood, but we want God's will to be done because we know and we trust in the goodness, in the faithfulness, in the holiness, in the justness of our Heavenly Father. And so we want His will to be done, not our will, not what makes us comfortable or happy, His will on earth. And sadly, God's will, the way He perfectly desires it to be, is not done on earth, but we want God to work to bring that to pass. Verse 3 says, Give us day by day our daily bread. It's the part of the prayer that says we recognize that our resources, our food, our sustenance comes from the Father, not through us, not through our employers, not through a healthy economy. It is God who gives us our food, our sustenance. And we're to pray that he does this day by day. We're not to be worried too much about long-term provision. It's enough that God takes care of us today. And it takes faith to pray these kinds of prayers. It takes faith to trust in the daily provision of God. And then in verse 4, Jesus says, And forgive us our sins. We are to seek forgiveness from the Lord. We are to recognize that we are sinners. Even as believers, even as those saved by grace through faith, we sin and we need to ask God to forgive us of our sins. Jesus goes on and says, For we also forgive everyone who is indebted to us. Matthew says, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. It's the idea that we ask for forgiveness as people who forgive. Now, we don't have time to deal with this, but if we're not forgiving people, we can't expect to be forgiven. Jesus taught that clearly. And then Jesus says, and do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. This is not a phrase that suggests that God might lead us into the temptation to do evil, because James clearly tells us that God does not sin, nor does he tempt anyone else to sin. This is not a prayer that says, please don't tempt us to sin, but rather it's a prayer asking God to lead us in a path that protects us from sin. It's the prayer that asks us to be led by God in such a way and to follow God in such a way that we are protected from sin and specifically, deliver us from the evil one. Deliver us from Satan, who is a liar and a thief and a murderer, who's roaming to and fro, seeking whom he may devour. The one that we wrestle against, because we don't wrestle against flesh and blood, but against these spiritual forces of wickedness in heavenly places. And God is our strength. God is our refuge against these kinds of temptations. We are told by Paul, that there is no temptation taken us, but is common to man. And with every temptation, God will provide a way of escape. That's what Jesus is talking about here. Lead us not into temptation, but lead us out of temptation. Provide that way of escape. And in this prayer, we are to recognize God as our Father, holy and revered. We are to recognize God as King, who has a will and whose will should be done on earth as it is in heaven. We need to recognize God as provider 
and the one who forgives us of our sins. We need to recognize that God is the one who expects us not only to forgive others, but to avoid temptation and to seek his help in doing so. What a powerful prayer. And if we understand this prayer, this pattern, this model, and we pray accordingly, our prayer life will grow. This is not just simply to be a 20-second prayer. These are more the key points that should guide our prayer life. Do you pray? Do you pray like this? Do you think through your prayer in a theological way, in a biblical way? We need to. Jesus tells us to. All of these truths in this prayer that Jesus models for us are truths right out of the scriptures. It is my prayer that you will pray long and deeply and earnestly as a person who seeks to walk righteously with God. And in doing so, God will bless your prayer life. Father in heaven, thank you for your word. Thank you for your clear instruction. Thank you for your patience and the patience of the Lord Jesus in bearing with us. Help us, Father, to draw near. Help us, Father, to pray in faith, obediently, seeking to be your people in fellowship with you. And Father, we do ask that you would help us to understand your holiness, your kingly rule, to know your will, to trust in your provision, to seek forgiveness from you, and to rejoice in the forgiveness that comes from you. Help us to forgive others, Father. And Father, help us to avoid sin, to take that way of escape that you provide for us. And Father, we trust you to protect us from the evil one. We ask these things in Jesus' name. For Jesus' sake, amen. Thank you for studying with us today. You can subscribe to this podcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, TuneIn, or the Facebook page Drawing Near. Drawing Near is a ministry of FBC Tip City based on the truth that if we will draw near to God, He will draw near to us.